Hello. We're ready to start chapter eight in the book of Revelation. I will move this back just a little bit. I've had people write in saying they, they prefer this kind of format rather than the, uh, the preaching format. And this is Wednesday, a time when traditionally churches have had a midweek Bible study. So I'm going to do my best to drop one or two of these a week. Of course, we're entering a very busy season. And our new church, which is called Our Safe Harbor, uh, is starting its first worship on the 22nd of November. I have no idea. You could be watching this years in the, in the future. But if you have stumbled upon this, uh, we do ask that you click the subscribe. Cost you nothing. It just means that we know you're out there and uh, we, we won't spam you with anything. Uh, but you can always then know when another lesson is being dropped or when our worship goes live. Um, we'd really, really appreciate you tuning in becoming a part of us, no matter where you live in the world. We already have people from all over the US and Australia and a couple up in Canada, and we would love to have you as well. Revelation chapter eight, we go back to the beginning of the opening of the seals at this point. If you don't remember in chapter six, there were seven seals and six of them were opened, but then there was that interval, that interval chapter seven. That, that was very common back in the day to interrupt a play by having a narrator or a comic character or one of the gods uh, to come on the stage and to, uh, if the play was going very dramatic at that point, they might come in to let you know it's all going to be okay. This will be okay. Remember that. And then they go back to the play or they, they'd come in and say, now they seem very happy, but this is all going to end in tragedy. Then they would go back out. It was just, it was to reassure the audience that things were going the way that they're supposed to go and that they're going to end the way they're supposed to go. Because unlike today's movies and plays and such, movie, uh, not movies, but plays back in the ancient days were designed to be known by the people. These were well-known stories. And just adjusting the stories, uh, giving a little more drama or comedy, or just trying to flesh them out. But once again, no surprises, so they throw in a narrator. Well, chapter seven kind of does that, because after six of the seals in chapter six, things were looking rather dire. So we needed to have assurance that all of God's children would be saved and will be in the throne room of God. The battles are real. And the phrase, the great tribulation, which was God's description of the life and the hard life that these people had and were going to have, that's not forever. The tribulation will end. It will all be okay. The narrator is popping in to say, God's got this and God's got you. And then we go into chapter eight. It's rather like those uh, comic posts that you sometimes run across on Twitter where somebody will, and I'll just do a really you know, short one here. Somebody will, will say, man to wife, are you all right? And she responds, of course I'm all right. Then underneath it'll say narrator, she was not all right. That's what chapter seven does, but does it in a much more holy and religious way. Now, chapter eight, and oh boy, does it kickstart pretty, pretty powerfully. We're going to read the first eight verses. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, 
and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Whew! Let's catch our breath. The silence in heaven is, of course, um, a metaphor, a symbol. It's poetic license to help us understand, to feel, and to sense that God is at work even in the silence. That the silence of God does not mean he is not going to act or that he doesn't have a time that he has chosen to act or a trigger, a cultural behavioral trigger on earth when he will act. God does not move without thought and deliberation. He is not a capricious God. That is something which is very, very different from the mythologies uh, that have always been around humankind. Uh, Joseph Campbell did a whole lot of work on mythology and he was a hot commodity back in the 80s with national public radio and public TV and a lot of books. And, and they were you know, very, very worthwhile reading, frankly. But the myths that are all around us, there's something about those gods. They are greedy. Uh, they are lustful. They are combative. They are, they're not nice. And then you have our God. Quite the difference. Our God moves with deliberation and wisdom. Same way, uh, or the same reason that Genesis 1 and 2 were written in the way that they were. In the time of Moses, if he was the first one to write those down, or he's the one that recorded them in the version we have, it, I, I have no way of knowing. But certainly an incredibly ancient uh, poem given to us by God. I certainly believe that. And it was done in a way that Moses could understand it. I mean, there's no way Moses is going to understand chemistry and biology and geology and astronomy and physics and then quantum physics. He's, just not, he's not going to get that. So God rolls out an answer to the mythology that was all around Moses. At that time, the saga of Gilgamesh or the Gilgamesh saga was all the thing in the cultures around Moses. And therefore, in that saga, uh, creation is a matter of violence and anger and debate and warfare uh, among the gods and, and just the most extreme things. And so God wants to explain to Moses, there is a God, but he's not like these myths. And so he lays out order, purpose, leading up to mankind and a relationship with mankind. Um, that's a good thing to know about God, is that he is very deliberative in our view. He's, uh, the Bible even says he's not quick to anger. He doesn't just jump on things like we do. And we do. Let's just admit it. You, know, you can remember, if you, if you can cast your minds back that far, to when you were teenagers. And you'd meet someone you thought, oh my goodness, that's the one for me. And you'd be praying, God, God, that's the one, make that one the one. About three weeks later, you're going, smite them, Lord, smite them heartily. We, we're like that. We're reeds in the wind. But he is not. And that's good news. In scripture, the response to seeing behind the curtain and to seeing the why behind the what is awe and worship. 
And that's done enough times that you and I on this side of the curtain should be responding in awe and worship even during the silence and even when God is not acting the way we would like for him to act in the way and at the time and in the place we would like for him to act. But we're not God's advisors and we're certainly not God's. So God is at work. We have to trust that. And our response to that faith is awe and worship. Then the seven angels of God show up. Are there just seven? No, there are many, many, many angels. Well, there are seven special angels. There were, we've slipped right back into the Western European mind. Seven means the angels he picked for the job. This is the perfect job. The deity has picked them. Therefore, they, they bear the number of the deity, seven. They are not gods, but they bear that number because God has handpicked them. They were, to, they were given seven trumpets, which um, you're about to move from silence to seven trumpets blown by angels. That's very dramatic, underlying very there, very dramatic. It's supposed to make the, the, um, the heads whip around and look and go, whoa, 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 what's happening? And what happens next is, well, some, it's nothing short of amazing because another angel appears and he's carrying the prayers of the faithful and perhaps the prayers of those who have passed on and already gone to heaven. The wording there will allow a little bit of those prayers in there. Roman Catholics, and this is not Catholic bashing by any stretch of the imagination, we love our Catholic friends and they love us. But Roman Catholics have a tradition of praying to saints and not because they worship them. And by the way, that's just a slander. I grew up with you know, people telling me, oh, they worship saints and they worship idols. No, they don't. They use the idols to focus themselves during their, their prayers. And yes, they do pray to saints. And that whole beatification thing, making somebody a saint, that's a pretty mysterious process to those of us outside the higher levels of the Catholic Church. But that said, uh, I, I pray only to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know some that say you're only allowed to pray to the Father. I'm pretty sure the Father can handle all of this. All right. The Catholics teach that the saints bring their prayers to the Trinity, and they are always before the throne. As we see in the book of Revelation, those that are martyred for the cause of Christ, those who have been faithful during the great tribulation that was their life, they are in front of the throne. And in chapter 7, the promise is we will be in front of the throne. So praying to the saints, Catholics say, is the same as praying to the Father, because they just take those prayers and hand them to the Father. I'm not entirely comfortable with that, but this passage is where they get some of that teaching. And I have to say some of that teaching, because please remember, in Catholicism, and, and this would apply as well to Eastern, you know, Orthodox versions, the ongoing evolution and teaching of the church has equal weight. And that's, that's a very broad statement, but generally speaking, equal weight to what scripture has to say. So um, if you go to a Catholic church, I remember the first time I went to one, I had always been told, oh, Catholics don't read their Bibles. They don't know, they won't. More than half of the service was reading scripture. And I found that to be the occasion every, any time I've gone. So a lot of scriptures out there. So you might say, well, what about this verse? And then they might hold up the teaching of their church 
to show you that they believed the Bible uh, was not something which was an anchor to hold them back and the, te the teaching of the church moves them forward. Agree with that or not, but you can see where they get some of the praying to the saints and the, how they use incense and how they swing the censer of incense as they um, walk up the middle of the church toward the front of the church. I'm not going to use the you know, narthex and maybe I'm not going to do all that stuff. Just down the aisle to the front. How's that? But let's not get hung up here because something very dramatic has just happened or it's about to take place. Jesus, um, God the Father hears, sees, and smells the prayers of the faithful. And he reacts in a very powerful way when this angel grabs that censer, starts slinging it around and hurls it to the earth. It's a little hard to get more dramatic than that. Our prayers have a lot to do with what happens next on the planet. Now, it's a brave statement to make because I don't know who's watching. And you may have just prayed for the last how many years for a child to be alive and, and yet they still died of whatever disease they had or an accident. Or you might be a soldier, a sailor, marine or coast guard and you've just seen some horrible things and you've come upon this broadcast and you're thinking, well, my prayers didn't do anything. First of all, I hear you. I absolutely hear you. Second, God hears you. Third, I'm not upset with your anger toward God. Fourth, he's not upset with your anger toward him. He's a big God. He can really handle that. Go ahead and work it out with him. But when I say your prayers have a lot to do with the direction of the universe, I don't mean that your prayers will keep us from dying. We were designed to die. Now, that doesn't seem to have been an inherent bug in the system. If we're taking Genesis 1 and 2, um, literally, in that, and the fall from grace and such. Um, but the fact is, we are now designed to die, every one of us. When I look in the mirror, I do not see a young person looking back. And I'm well aware that no matter how much I pray, that the road ahead of me is very much shorter than the road behind me. My prayers will not change that. And there are some things your prayers will not take away. But there are prayers where we pray about the kingdom of God and we pray about righteousness and justice and mercy and peace. He hears them and he moves. Sometimes, though, he moves after a period of silence. We really need to remember that. Now, the angels step up with their trumpets. Uh, a trumpet was not a musical instrument at the time. You didn't have a Herb Albert in heaven. Uh, trumpets could have a variety of tones, but only with a very skilled person, and that's not really what their job was. Um, a trumpet was a battle weapon. It was made to signal, uh, signal your people. In fact, bugles were done the same way in, in the early Americas. Maybe you can, um, maybe you've seen a Western, so you can, you can understand different notes on the trumpet would indicate you know left moves this way right moves this way retreat charge whatever it is rather like bagpipes were used in war with the scots and with several asian countries and um, there are bagpipes all over the world different forms those pipes were not uh, you know be playing a merry tune while you're shooting people and being shot no uh, the the pipes actually Sometimes would be a different song because your unit, that's their song. You move toward the pipes. Don't get mixed up in the others and not know where you are. Kind of would have helped a little bit on D-Day, 
We did have one Mad Bill Piper who piped on the sand all during that time. Uh, but the um, you, you tend to get shot. So we don't do that anymore. Um, but the pipes would indicate when you're moving forward, backwards, left, right, all of that stuff was built into the teams, uh, the tunes. And the same with a trumpet. Now, a trumpet could be used in civilian context, um, perhaps to alert the people to gather for a very important announcement, sometimes to say that there was um, an emergency, like a fire in the city, or uh, an approaching enemy, or a wild animal was now loosed in that particular area. So trumpets, please understand, the trumpets here are not going to be trumpets like Phil Driscoll would have played back in the 80s and 90s for worship music. No, this is, um, this is a war trumpet. So God is moving and there's going to be blood. These warnings alert the, um, the earth that those who persecute God, well, I'm sorry, persecute God's people, um, they're about to get hammered. They're not going to get wiped out yet, but they're going to get enough of them hurt that they should start paying attention to who God is. Chapter 7, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verses 7 through 12. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up. A third of all green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a, a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned to blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel surrounded his, I'm sorry, sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water, and the name of the star is Wormwood. Oh, we'll get to that. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark, a third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Well, that's some heavy stuff here. If you'd like to, I'd like to remind you that videos are pausable. You can pause this, get around, and uh, walk around a little bit, because this is pretty heavy stuff. If you, need, if you take a few deep breaths, we're going to find what happens to people, and ultimate judgment will fall on those who persecute God, but not before a series of warnings. Believe it or not, these are just the warning shots. A third? Yeah, a third. But that's just the warning shots of what God's going to do. It might, and by the way, remember a third? Doesn't mean 33%, not in Semitic uh, literature. Uh, by the way, uh, people who are the Semitic people, whether they're Arabs or they're, they're Jews, I'm not really sure if the Persians consider themselves Semitic, but regardless, in that area, uh, they make brilliant scientists and mathematicians. It is in the use of literature and language that a third means a lot, but not most. It might help to think here of the plagues of Egypt as you as you read over this. The plagues were there to get Pharaoh to repent and turn loose of the slaves, the Jews. Uh, when God got fed up with the Pharaoh, however, and the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, God made it harder so that he wouldn't repent because Pharaoh needed to go down. God was done. Pharaoh didn't get all 10 plagues 
to turn to God. After he'd rejected God repeatedly, God had already said, no, we're not gonna let him turn now. The justice, and God is just, requires that Pharaoh go down. So that's really what's going on. The third, uh, we've not done all 10 plagues here, but we're, we're getting enough to get everybody's attention. God is just, he is patient, and he is just. And, and I do get it, I really do. God is far more patient with other people than I want him to be. But I want him to be even more patient with me. Can you say that? I bet you can, I bet you can. We always like to be judged on our intentions and our overall attitude toward the right, um, you know, right living and right theology or whatever. We want other people to be judged on what they do, not their intentions, not their attitude, but they did that, blow them up, God. So sometimes when God's not just leaping forward and we would like for him to, it's because he is being as patient with others as he is with us. It really isn't profitable, by the way, to go through historical records and try to figure out, all right, this trumpet was trees and, and, and it was this, this earthquake. And, and, and there was this volcano over here. And people do try, but several problems. One, we don't have complete records. So we don't know all of the bad things that happened there. You're, you've got an impartial list and you're trying to, to force a scripture on it. Not a good idea. Two, this is written in signs and symbols. It's, um, it's not news bulletins. Three, everybody seems to come up with a different list because of the problems of A and B. Um, they, they keep insisting these are real, actual, special events, and, and, and we're the ones who know it. We got it. Why should we think you got it when nobody else did? It's just, don't, don't do that. Besides, the, all of this is missing a point. The people who heard this, they did not have copies. They could not have written it down. These, this book was circulated. And sure, there were copies made eventually, and those were circulated. And that took a lot of time when you're doing these things by hand, and they have to be so precise. And by the way, they were super precise. So this whole idea of, well, the Bible changed so much over time. Yeah, not so much. But the people heard these things. So it's not like they were making a list. All right, lads, we need to find these things in the next. No, no. The, the message just had to be coming an overall picture of the future of the persecutors and how they would fall. Note that a third fell was a, a, a very substantial number, but not the whole. They're struck. Hail and fire from heaven. And then a mountain is thrown into the sea. The mountain's even on fire. What in the world is that all about? Well, hail and fire from heaven, that's always been a judgment from heaven. All right. And symbolically, I've lived through hailstorms. I'm pretty sure were meteorological. They weren't, they weren't theological in origin. But think of this. Um, in Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. What's the point? Well, the point is this. In Semitic thought, mountains stood for power. 
specifically governmental power. Um, in Psalm 125, it's the government, if you will, of God. The kingdom of God will never be shaken. This is a mountain that will never be thrown into the sea, much less caught on fire and thrown into the sea. It does seem to be a bit all overkill. And pun not intended. Um, thrown into the sea. What's the sea? That's the nations. We need to understand something. When we call God to judge and call God to act, we could very well be caught up in that. Not just because we ourselves are sinners, which I don't think any of us would, would argue against. It is because when war happens, innocent people get killed too. And when the police have to act and, and the firearms come out, it, no matter how justified and lawful the shooting is, there is a chance that one of those bullets is going to go where it shouldn't go. And that does happen. It does happen. It's one of the things that infuriates me when I watch a police show on television, the way that they'll be running down the street and fire some shots at a car. And I'm going, those bullets go somewhere. I mean, one of the first rules of handling a firearm is to don't shoot unless you know everything behind that target. But there's a little soapbox. I'll get off of it now. I'll be much shorter for a moment. Um, hail and fire and this, this mountain, governments are going to fall. Not entirely. Rome wasn't built in a day, you've heard. Well, Rome didn't fall in a day either. It kept tripping and falling. I'm going to say for hundreds of years. The different iterations of it would rise up and be pulled back down again. And it just, it finally sputtered and was gone. Then a star falls. What's a star? A star is the same thing it is today, a leader. You know, we look up to that person. That's our star. But when this one falls, the bitterness in that star will be revealed. And when it hits the earth, it'll poison a lot of people, a third of the earth. Wormwood. Well, what's going on there? Wormwood uh, was a very, 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 very bitter herb. Still is, but we don't normally use old terms for things. Um, of course, C.S. Lewis famously used Wormwood as a character in his, his magnificent book about the devil and us and the, the dialogue that goes back and forth, the screw tape letters. But Wormwood is when you worship the star, you might think, I don't worship stars. And we scream when we see them. We even brag, well, I, I got to see this. You know, I live in the Nashville area. We used to before COVID and everybody huddled in their homes. We would see uh, stars from now every now and then. And to me, it was always like, well, that's kind of cool. But others are just going, ah. Well, um, the problem is when you elevate people and they use their celebrity to attack the things of God, whether it's marriage, sexuality, uh, kindness, purity, um, marriage, family, any of that. When they use their celebrity to destroy what is pure and good, when they fall, and they always fall, all stars fall, they could take you with them because the bitterness has now just spread. They used what should have been a time of power and light to draw people to light, they, they brought people to them. And inside there was a bitterness and awfulness. And, and I don't mean to, to, um, to say that I don't care for 
this person because that's not just not true. I don't know anything about Cardi B except for some of her songs. And one of the songs recently was so foul about wanton sex with anything, anywhere, anytime that it cannot be read even on a cable channel. And if you were just to beep out the bad bits, you would have very few non-beeps in the song. And it, it broke my heart. Because here's a young lady. She's a lady of means, a lady of, of influence in her circle. Those who follow her music are many. And now those little girls are learning to dance to this. And little boys are believing that this is the way little girls feel. And if you don't think those are runaway trains heading downhill, you don't know much about ideas and consequences. That will poison people. And that's when stars fall. That's what it's talking about here. When they fall, the people who are pointed their direction will fall too. Be careful who you worship. Be careful who you adore. Verse 12 is more of the same. A uh, third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that they all turn dark and then light and dark was all messed up. That once again, when government falls and it, it shudders and shakes the culture built up around that, it disrupts the society. And then the more these stars fall, the more disruptive things become. And that's, um, we've seen it in history. And we're probably living through that now. I don't know. We'll have to wait for future generations to write that. But that day, when it comes, our work will be disrupted. Our night will be disrupted. We can no longer sleep in peace, for that has been disrupted. I can't help but think a little bit about COVID during this time. But if you're looking at this and going, oh, the Bible? It prophesied here and about our time we're living in COVID and this is, COVID has killed an awful lot of people, but it has killed very few compared to other pandemics. So while we mourn the loss of every single person and we, we mourn the loss of every single cultural tradition and family gathering, don't read that into chapter eight. This is for them. They're going to be persecuted. Society is going to be torn up. You're not going to be able to sleep safely or work safely. You don't know when it's safe to do either. If you've been in the military, you know that there are a couple of you never been these rules. Always eat when you get a chance. Always sleep when you get a chance. Doesn't matter day or night. You sleep because you might not get sleep for the next few days or food for the next few days. He's warning them. This could happen to you, is going to happen to you. And then the last verse, and we'll wrap this thing up. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. What? This isn't bad enough? We got to have an eagle flying around doing woe three times. And again, three, that's that solid, complete number of, uh, that we, you know, it is, um, 
again, it's like seven. It sometimes refers to the deity or the Godhead. That is God declaring, buckle up planet. Because just like the, the plagues in Egypt, the first ones didn't fix it. So now the next are coming. That's next time we look at chapter nine. Please subscribe and please uh, come to our website, which should be up in the next couple of days. And it is OurSafeHarbor.com, OurSafeHarbor.com. Uh, follow our worship services. And if you don't have a church where you're led and fed and you would like to, to help us do this, because we can only do it if we have the funds to keep Cammie and I alive and a few other people alive, um, feel free to use Tithely, which is a wonderful app for churches uh, to get right to us. We're going to set up a PayPal and some other things, but right now it's either the, uh, the post, the mail, or Tidely. Anyway, enough of the commercials. We're going to see you next time around for Chapter 9. Don't read ahead and spoil it for everybody else.